0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: One thing that was the like the hardest part about it is if you want it to be seriously, you have to put it out there. So for me, I wanted to stop, and I started noticing, "Holy shit, I can't!" You know. So then, finally, after a week of not drinking, I made a Facebook post, and I just said, "I haven't drank in a week." And then all of a sudden I had 280 comments of support on that thing. So now I have, I have a little coin collection, you know, that I'm building. So there's something to do it for people looking out for you. It becomes an entity because you made it
2: one. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads. I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk about their lives, music and craft beer. I hope you've been having a glorious month of February. We have already reached the final week of Vox and Hops, sober February 2022, which is presented by Pitch Black North, the satanic tea company. For those of you who do not know who Pitch Black North is, let me tell you a little bit about them right now. Their slogan is sin now, steep forever, because every sip is blasphemy. All of their products are ethically sourced, expertly crafted, and they are only made in small batches. They create specialty teas and coffee. If you love their satanic tea as much as I do, you should sign up to their satanic tea club. They have a whole bunch of subscription options for you, whether you can get one bag or two bags each month, and they are very, very reasonable. You should check out the Satanic Tea Club on their website, which is pitchblacknorth.com. That's P-I-T-C-H-B-L-A-C-K-N-O-R-T-H dot com. And when you're checking out, make sure to use the promo code that the Satanic Tea Lord himself has set up for you Vox and Hopsheads. And that promo code is VoxHops15, that's V-O-X-H-O-P-S-1-5, and you will save 15% off of your entire or purchase. Do it. Enjoy the satanic tea. And while you are enjoying the Satanic Tea, you can know that you have helped support the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast, and that is something that I truly appreciate. Today's episode is a Heavy Montreal Presents Vox & Hops episode. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of amazing shows here in Montreal all year long. They have just announced that Opeth is coming through Montreal on April 21st with Mastodon. It's going to be an epic, epic show. You should grab your tickets for that if you're planning on going because it's going to be awesome i am beyond stoked to have heavy montreal behind the vox and hops metal podcast now before we jump into today's episode i'd just like to ask you to follow the vox and hops metal podcast on the podcast platform of your choice but more than that i'm also asking you to rate it and write a review now why do i want you to do that well you have to imagine that if someone is looking for a new podcast to listen to what do they do they scroll down, they check out the reviews, they check out the ratings, and if those reviews and ratings are favorable, well, they're going to give that podcast a chance. So by you writing a review or rating the podcast, you could actually be the person that helps sway someone's decision to become a future Vox and Hops head, and that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm with Eric Marotti of suffocation this episode was recorded at february's thirsty thursday virtual hang you should have been there this is vox and hops episode number 327
1: i warn you what you are about to hear
0: is very disturbing indeed
2: Hey, what's up, everyone, today? I am with Eric Morati of Suffocation. Uh, Eric, uh, this is long overdue. We've known each other for, I want to say, 10 plus years i do have a vivid memory of the first time i met you and correct me if i'm wrong if there was a time before this and i apologize but i remember stepping off stage at mavericks and you and aaron k homa of colliderous annihilator now vox hops alumni you guys came right up after the set and you guys were extremely inebriated but super <laughs> nice at the same time and friendly and uh chris donaldson had like told me a little bit about you guys so i was excited to meet you um is that correct? Is that the first time that you and I met?
1: I mean, I know we toured together in 09 on the Shit. Acacia Strait, despised icon, blind witness, cryptopsy tour.
2: We did. And there's so, the whole, the, 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 kick drum debauchery.
1: You, fucking, you took my <laughs> bass pedal, the bass drum pedals, because me and Flo had the same pedals and you grabbed my case thinking it was his and you guys showed up late to the next show and we were the first band on the bill. So, I'm like, I had no pedals and I had to use the Alex's for despise.
2: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
1: hey, it's all good. It's all good. Man. <laughs>
2: That's true, though. In 2009, I remember that tour. That was fucking sick and super fun. Yeah, uh, we
1: actually played the medley on that tour. It yeah. was the last show at the medley,
2: mm-hmm. which is huge. And for anyone that doesn't know that, the medley was a very, very important uh, venue here in Montreal for metal shows and cryptops. So many. Cl- classic shows that went on there (laughs) were absolutely let's just jump straight into uh the shitty parts of the interview so we can get to the fun stuff afterwards how did you cope with these glorious years plural of 2020 2021 and hopefully not most of 2022 how did you cope throughout these crazy times that we're living through
1: um basically it was like a vacation so i've been touring with self-vacation six years non-stop we go everywhere we have no time in between tours it's hectic. I can barely get back to Canada. I know I to stay here in New York. So when this pandemic hit, I flew home from Switzerland in the middle of that tour. Uh, I was like, holy shit. It was kind of weird at first. <clears throat> and then I was like, damn, this is actually kind of like a vacation. So I went to my cottage with my family, my cousins, and everything, bought a four I bought a dirt bike, then I bought another dirt bike, and then a four-wheeler, and we all had all these toys up there, and all we do is be on vacation in the woods, fires axe throwing fucking all that shit so it was pretty fun but i mean obviously i missed touring and doing the normal shit you know but it was good to at least be able to do that i haven't been able to go out to my cottage and ride a four-wheeler like that for like six years you know? mm. and now i did it for a whole summer <laughs> straight <laughs> and i was like oh my god this is awesome
2: <laughs> what was the day when you were like this is enough I got to play drums again because did you have drums up at the cottage or were you just completely, you completely stepped away and were on vacation?
1: I didn't really have drums anywhere other than a couple of buddies places, but I stayed away from the drums. I've been playing them nonstop, you know, so like I said, four wheeler and shit like that, no drums really. I started getting kind of fed up when I was supposed to come down here and my visa wouldn't fucking go. And then that's when I started being like, okay, holy shit, how serious is this pandemic? Am I never gonna be able to get a visa again? Or you know? And then finally I expedited the next one and it came through right away. And then I was like, Oh, phew, you know, and now I'm here.
2: You've been there you've been there basically the whole time.
1: I've been here since October. Wow, okay. And then in twenty twenty one or sorry, twenty twenty, I was here. From October until April, hmm. and then I was home for the summer, and then I came back here October till now, and I'll be here until our May tour, and like we're doing the new album right now, so till the May tour, and then we have the whole year booked after the May tour. So
2: suffocation does not fuck around. Love to be on the road. Paul's
1: upstairs getting
2: <baby> cookies. <laughs> <laughs> i am not surprised at in the least let's jump in vox and hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives music and craft beer uh now what are you going to be drinking on your side tonight and we're going to be sharing virtually with everyone here
1: um i've got that voodoo ranger ipa hazy uh rig <laughs> it's 9.5 so it's Oof. spicy you know obviously uh I don't want to shotgun this bad boy, but I, I don't even really like these things. You know that I'm <laughs> going <gotta laughs> to support you.
2: <laughs> I, I appreciate that very much. I said
1: so far, it's actually really, really good.
2: It sounds like it's going to be juicy, but yet super, have a bitter bite just, just from the description of what you've told me exactly what it is on my side uh, since it is a sober february episode and we are recording this at the beginning of february and uh you know i follow through with what i say i'm going to do i'm going to be drinking uh pitch black north the satanic tea company's collab with cryptopsy this is none so vile uh, it's a lavender black tea with hops because it's you know when i'm involved in something there's always a bit of hops in it uh it's satanically delicious and uh super stoked <laughs> that they are uh, presenting sober february so mad cheers to pitch black north uh let's jump straight what beer let's talk about you, you know you're not into beer so much anymore you're sacrificing it yourself tonight to hang out with me but take me back to that first beer do you remember the very first beer that you drank
1: are you my whole life
2: yeah it was
1: probably at a hockey tournament or something, bud. <laughs> when I was like 12, one of the parents is... Was... It was probably like a, <laughs> a little bat or a Canadian or... I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember, but I remember playing Nicky Nicky Nine Doors around the hotel the whole time, running, jumping down the stairs <laughs> and shit.
2: <laughs> is that something that happens at hockey tournaments? You guys go away and then parents, parents party? It's because parents oh, end yes. up partying and then they just... You just take one. Try it
1: literally is infamous so ask my brother Matt next time you see him because he's been at the silver stick tournaments with me and oh, but at the best western it gets rowdy
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, was there ever a point that you became a craft beer enthusiast did you ever get the bite of the way that i have or did you was it never something that really interests you
1: no i don't really like it. it's too uh, mealy (laughs) molasses (laughs) heavy. (laughs) <laughs> I don't, like I told you I don't drink beer to begin with what's happening <laughs> I drink white cloth <laughs> because of the, the health aspect and the carbs and sugar and shit it's really low so no I don't drink IPAs so I'm doing it for you I don't even drink beers normally
2: <laughs> uh, let's dance into the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house what music was playing when you were not in control of the radio what music did your parents or guardians listen to
1: um old school shit, you know, like you, I don't know if you've met my dad before.
2: No, I met your mom last time you came through Montreal though.
1: Yeah. But my dad, he's like an old school rocker, you know, all the the Sabbaths, Deep Purple, Maiden, Judas Priest and shit. So mostly that stuff, he played a lot, a lot of Deep Purple. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of Deep Purple. My dad is just obsessed with Deep Purple. So a lot of that shit.
2: How about drums? Uh, I find it super interesting, you and your brother, Steve, both ended up becoming professional drummers. Talk talk to me about that. Talk to me about how drums came into your house. Was your dad a drummer? Um, Deep Purple. Whenever I hear someone's father listen to Deep Purple, it makes me sound like he enjoyed the guitar aspect of it. Not that Deep Purple drumming isn't fantastic, but
1: my dad had all the instruments. So when we were growing up, he had everything. Like a kind of like a little studio like this. I don't know if you can see it, but like, like a little version of this. So we always had the option to. Go in there and play whatever we wanted, but the drums were really loud mm-hmm. and it was like kind of like time restricted. Okay, so that made it, that made it like a fucking hot commodity for us because we only had a certain amount of time to play because it was so damn loud. Interesting. So we were like, we have to play. We can always play the bass, the keyboard, and guitar, and shit all night, headphones. But the drums are really loud, and my mom would let us play them like past a certain time, or if she was on a real estate call. So that was like the one that was like. Rare, not rare. The like, lady, yeah, you know, had a rule
2: on it. Interesting. That's so rebellious of you, such a metalhead. Uh, but at, at, <laughs> how did you and your brother like hash out the time of who had the drums at what point? Who picked up the drums first? Was it both of you at the same time, uh, or was one inspiring the others? And if it was both of you, how did you hash out that sharing allotted time? Uh, I don't really
1: remember. <laughs> we always got along, so there was no fighting or anything. So it was more like like I would be playing like James Bond or like an old Call of Duty and he'd play drums. And then I'd play drums and he'd be playing NHL on X, on the whatever old PlayStation. So we always like whatever. And then you get tired from drumming, like, I'm gonna go make food and do this. And then you like oh, I'm <laughs> So there's always time for it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I love it. Was there ever a period in your mother's or father's life that the time restriction wasn't applied anymore because they saw you guys were just so talented?
1: Not really, because the time is always there because of neighbors and shit, hmm. right? <laughs> like, no matter what, I can't just fire it up and start ripping blast <laughs> at three in the morning, <laughs> anywhere, so, yeah, you know. <laughs>
2: Within reason. How about your first shows? I'd love to hear about the very first concert music experience that you went to go see.
1: Uh, I think it was actually Deep Purple. Really? Was... Oh wait, no wait, no. I went and saw uh, the X. You know the X? No. Like in Ottawa, I saw, like the Expedition or whatever. I don't remember. So like this pop up fucking fair. <laughs> okay. And I saw Kim Mitchell there. Okay. When I was like super young. And I was like, damn, fucking, I'm going for a soda.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Were were you immediately, like, drawn into the ambience, to the atmosphere of a live show experience? Was it something that you already wanted to be doing?
1: I mean, I got bored within five minutes, and I was like, I want to go out and do rides and play games. And I was like, it's really loud. I was like fucking eight or six. I
2: don't know what I'm now Sometimes some, guys, some people have the bug just so early and want to be that person. I know, that... but I was
1: just saying, you know, my mom wants me to do the mom bottle. back so and forth. My dad's sitting there like, yeah. You know? I was like, I, like, I want to go Pokemon things.
2: <laughs>
1: Whatever. Fart. I want to go fart on stuff.
2: How about your first time on stage? Do you remember your first time on stage?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. It was with my band Apocalypse, me and John Campbell. Me and him had a band when we were like kids, and we played like high school uh, cafeterias. And then we did a Supernova in Ottawa. Yeah. Like one of those band competitions, and we won it. Okay. <laughs> and we got to play a Capitol Music Hall in Ottawa. People like but it still around. But that's when I was like 12, 13. Those are fucking surreal.
2: <laughs> yeah, well uh to 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 win it at such a young age too must have been
1: Oh it didn't matter. I mean those things were a scam, obviously. Yeah. And nothing happened, they're like, Oh, we're gonna make you guys go on tour okay, I don't know. Yeah, I mean I remember telling a couple of my friends and they were
2: like, That's sick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you you guys must have been ready though. You must have played enough to, and prepared enough if you're gonna win a competition to for those first shows. I can't.
1: I guess. Or the other local tower, wasn't
2: very good. Uh, Let's talk about Montreal, being so close to Montreal. What did Montreal mean to you as a musician? Was it something that uh, inspired you? This is a heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops episode, so I'm always curious as to uh, what memories are. But you being so close to Montreal, was there a difference? I know there's a difference from playing Montreal to Ottawa i love playing them both but ottawa's scene is much smaller talk to me about being so close to montreal so many bands having made it from montreal was it something that meant something to you
1: yeah and it was very intimidating because hmm. you know they back then there was ion yeah ion Distance, and fucking despise and and there's all those other bands too like um with big James and Dask. There yeah. were even those bands, like the smaller bands, would come to Ottawa and destroy all of Ottawa's bands. <laughs> like nothing. So I just remember having this little because I was young too. I had this little like jealousy or like like intimidation to them because everyone in Montreal had their shit together and was very professional. You know? It's like going to a hockey game and the other teams all wear suits. Yeah. And the other teams wearing sweatpants and sandals. You know, that's Montreal was all well our suits the <laughs> bands are, are way more into it and like fucking you know, they all got Canadian goose Canada goose jackets on, ripping up fucking frozen microphones and shit. I was like that's so badass. So yeah, Montreal was the shit, dude. And then of course playing shows at Foos back then and still were just insane because mm-hmm. the environment, the vibe, the dollar beers. <laughs> The strip club down the street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have lots of crazy, crazy show memories. If you could pick one one special thing. We've toured the world, but Montreal has a vibe. And those first shows, those first tours for some reason seem to stick with us the most, right?
1: Yeah, dude. I, I can remember shit from the our tours even back in the yeah. more yeah. than I can remember my last tour with mm-hmm. <laughs> cell phone, you know? <laughs> Just because I was so impressionable mm-hmm. at that time. And wasn't really, I don't know, you know, still young.
2: There's something about those first ones that just, I guess it's the whole build up towards them that once once they're there and they're happening, we cherish it more.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: And now with it all being taken away again because of the pandemic, hypothetically, when we go back out again, I hope that we cherish it in the same way that we did at first, maybe.
1: Well, have you played yet?
2: I played one show. My show, okay. the, the Heavy Montreal presents Brutal Montreal there.
1: But it was sick, right? It was, it like, was so sick. <laughs> exactly. See, we played like four shows since being back at every show. I'm just like, oh my God. It's insane. <laughs> Sold out and everyone's fucking flipping mm. out.
2: This is why we do this.
1: <laughs> I know. I can't wait to go back on the road.
2: <laughs> it's going to happen soon enough. Uh, this episode is coming out during sober February and. Uh, you are a chosen guest for a reason. Uh, there was a period of your time a few years ago, two years ago, I want to say, uh, when you did try sobriety or took a stab at no longer drinking, to be more specific. Uh, can, can you elaborate on why you made that decision?
1: Ultimately, it was because of health. Not like I'm dying kidney, but like I gained so much weight. Mm. and I would get drunk. I was the case. Like, Suffolk, we party. You know this. We're all fucking
2: crazy. I have a and question go about out. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we go, <all> <laughs> go all night and we would fucking chug down Jack Daniel bottles like apple juice. I would finish a bottle with Charlie before sound check. So Jesus. this is a lot of, and we chase it with Coca-Cola and you know and then when you're really drunk, you're hungry so you just fucking eat whatever's there. Cheese melted on everything on the tour bus. So ultimately it was a lot because I got up to like 230 pounds at one point. And I was just feeling like shit every morning, puking all the time. And I was just, you know, feeling like shit. And I was like, oh my God, i fucking got to get back into shape, man. And like, <laughs> I was like, I look like a slob. And then that's when I started doing uh, a keto diet. Really? Okay. And then I just, I just stopped drinking entirely. I had one hangover too many. And I was like, that's it. And I stopped drinking. And then it started with like a week and a month and then three months and then all this, you know, and, and then it just happened like nothing. And then I did a year, and then started drinking uh, beers, like I said. And I didn't like the bloat or the, you know, it's the same thing. I didn't want, so I fucking switched over the old claws.
2: <laughs> because claws are good because there's no carbs. There's there's no hardly any just sugar. Just like
1: one gram of sugar, one gram of carbs, and then you know it's like mainly water, so it's not going to get a shitty headache. And uh, they're not that good tasting, so they are not going to stress down 30
2: of them. You know? It is interesting that that during that year, you mentioned Suffo, and I totally, totally associate partying, suffocation. It's one thing. So we even played, we played together at Summer Breeze.
1: Oh, yeah. You remember the Jagger, you know, the Jagger tap in the back, and there was a sign. What did that sign say?
2: Uh, off limits for suffocation, or something like that.
1: It said right next to the fucking ice thing, the ice sculpture there, whatever the other thing. Uh, free for all musicians, except suffocation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, that, and that was because that was your tour manager, um, <laughs> who had put that there because you guys were out of control of that tour.
1: Absolutely out of control. <laughs> oh my god. And yo, we had, yo, we had, no, wait, did we? No, that was with Kevin. That was with Kevin, right, Muller?
2: Yes, exactly. Yes. It was. Yes.
1: Because I was going to say for a second, I thought we had Frank with us, but no, we did Ozfest and a couple other ones with Frank. Because when Frank's with us and he brings his wife too, we get fucking smashed.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, because for him, it's an extra special outing because he's not working.
1: It's a vacation for him. And he he gets so drunk. We get smashed. It's, It's the most funny shit I've ever seen. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and you guys are traveling in that weird little van At Summer Breeze with no bathroom I heard it was a nightmare
1: Yeah so it was like basically a small version of a bandwagon Exactly that had no bathroom on it and then the bunks were all really tight and it was really fucking it's not shitty, but I mean it was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's not a red bus, that's for shit. Sure.
2: No. <laughs> so so suffocation being such a party band, what was the band's reaction to you being no longer the guy that was gonna drink with them?
1: Um, nothing. They didn't care. I mean and you know what's funny is I when I went sober, I, I started going sober my first tour. My, my month of getting sober and we were on tour with despised icon ingested uh that tour
2: in 2019
1: That's a big so party. i was on tour when i when i became sober
2: hmm.
1: it was fucking wild because i still you know i don't want to say sober i would stopped drinking i smoked weed so i was smoking i smoked weed all night with them and they'd just be getting smashed and i still didn't care i'd just be like yeah it's sick
2: but then you'd wake up the next morning feeling fine, and you'd look around and see all of them. Oh, suffering. funny! i be, be up
1: at nine in the morning, already at the gym somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, that's the, the
2: upside. Amazing! I love it. Uh, what would be some advice for some people if you, if, you know, if they feel like their drinking has gotten a bit out of control, um, they've put on a bit too much weight, they're waking up and feeling like shit every day? What What would your advice be? What What is some advice that you wish that you heard? back before you woke up with one too many hangovers
1: um one thing that was the hot like the hardest part about it is if you want it to be seriously you have to put it out there so mm-hmm. for me i wanted to stop and i started noticing holy shit it can't you know so then finally after a week of not drinking i made a facebook post okay. i just said i haven't drank in a week mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i had 280 comments of support on that thing so now i have I have a little coin collection you know that i'm building so there's something to do it for people looking out for you it becomes an entity because you made it one rather than just going "Eh, i'm gonna get a gym membership but i'm really just gonna buy 20 pound dumbbells you know what i mean (laughs) if you really jump into it and now all of a sudden you're you're letting people down Mm. if you drink now all of a sudden i'd be at a show and people will come up to me and be like hey really cool you're not drinking therefore they're watching to make sure they're not drinking so you're always you're putting yourself under that pressure. And that was the one thing when I've had friends even though, are like, oh, I want to stop. And I was like, do that? And they're like, oh, no, no, that's cringe. I don't want to ask for help. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, it isn't. If it's a problem, then it's a problem. <laughs> you should seek help, kind of.
2: Absolutely. And there's nothing wrong. And, and the more that I've been doing these sober February interviews, it's, it's what everyone says. It's like, if you need help, there's so many ways to get help. There's not one path to a better life, but you need to find the path that's right for you. And there's the first step really is always just admitting that you have a problem and asking for help from someone. And there's nothing more macho than actually acknowledging that you need help as opposed to what people think. And they, they bottle it up and they end up drinking even more and destroying themselves even more. So kudos to you for being a positive role model and putting it out there and then keeping it going until you felt that you had your life back under control and you haven't spiraled out, obviously, because you look great.
1: Well, yeah, no, here's the thing that I still have a rule and and it's no
2: hard liquor. Okay, that was the one that was just too much.
1: No, it's just so much easier to lose grasp and get drunk and lose control or get too drunk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And feel like shit. And I don't want to drink to feel like shit. I want to drink to have fun and goof around and be funny not to like oh <laughs> and the hard liquor is one thing that i've trial and errored with since i started drinking again uh-huh. and one or two shot i had two shots of tequila at a show like maybe five six months ago boom, felt like shit. felt like wanted to puke started being short with people impatient all this stuff i just want to go home boom and i was like holy oh, <laughs> back to the white
2: clause <laughs> Cor- correlation of a to b there how did i but what 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 went perfectly on track and then one deviation and you're back into a whole actually that one blip that
1: one blip was like woo, seeing red <laughs>
2: that's scary that's scary thank you so much for for opening up about this whole aspect of your life uh, i really appreciate it i want to touch on frank's departure frank coming back and forth it's the classic suffocation question talk to me I, i'm not going to go the spicy route of it i just want to talk about um those departure tours departure shows the vibe is there a different vibe when you're playing those shows with frank than with ricky or with kevin
1: honestly for me they all have their own vibe frank has a certain energy to him obviously that is explosive and hilarious and front man-ish ricky's got his own persona too that that vibes really well kevin had his whole his own his own thing too but like I said, it wasn't weird because or, or anything like that, because Frank lives down the street from us.
2: He's yeah. a part of the family, yeah.
1: He I, I was just at his house for uh a it was a New Year's party. And then there was um I forget what it was. There was I think it might have been his birthday. But we me, Hobbs and Butch and Derek all went over there and partied and he lives right down the street, you know. So we see him all the time. I saw him with Joe Sincata, he was working yeah. on some uh I don't know, voiceovers for like a video game or something. Mm-hmm. So I just you know I hang out with him all the time. So when he came on tour, it was like it's just Frank on tour again, you know. So the energy with us is fine because we see him all the time. I mean, he got headaches like crazy because he he's not doing this shit anymore. So uh, hmm. it's hard for him to tour all the time on his body and on his throat, I guess. That's interesting. You know.
2: That that's a question I have for him now. You you've put something in my brain. You won't have the answer, so I want to ask you. But I am curious as to the crowd's reaction, and that was really my question. Uh, obviously, the band's vibe is going to be the same, but different. Um, how did the crowd react differently? Whether it's a di- Ricky or Frank, do you feel like there's a difference?
1: Um, I mean, obviously, when Frank is there, it's more explosive. Like if he walks out onto the stage and they see him, you instantly have that yell, that like energy. They still have it, like even if no one's there, it, it, Terrence walks on. It's the same yeah. energy type thing. So there is always that authentic appreciation that it seems like the fans have. But, I mean, you know, you have to give time. It's its uh, kudos because Frank is Frank and he worked hard. to. So the crowd obviously knows that, sees him. He's the face they've always seen in music videos, in interviews the new york persona get the fuck out of here what are you
2: doing
1: (laughs) like you know he's he's frank so people want to see that and when they do it's obviously somewhat magical for them i guess
2: (laughs) it's something that i i get it you know i replaced lord worm there's i don't think there's anyone that gets it more than me i remember being on tour with ricky when he told me i'm going on tour in south america with suffocation and i'm singing and he was playing drums, Discord at the time, obviously. And I was like, we're on that tour. We're touring together in, in South America. And I was, we were surprised, but he fucking killed and he still fucking kills it. So I'm excited to hear about this new record that you're working on right now. Uh, can you give us uh, any tidbits of what's going on? Obviously, it's going to be suffocation. You guys are not going to be rewriting and changing everything, but there's always ways to keep things fresh. Is there anything that excites you about the new suffocation material that you can talk about?
1: Well... The songs are all a lot... I mean, our last album of The Dark Light had a different aspect. It was a little more new school, new stuff, new editing. I don't know what the the mixing went down, but everything sounds a little overproduced. Okay. And we weren't going for that when we recorded with Joe, and it, it ended up like that. So the authenticity, whatever, of this one is going to be a lot better because we might even just track it here in Hobbs' studio. Because nice. What we've got really fucking going good right now. It's insane, even for pre-prod. And uh, no, what? Oh, it's Derek. No, what? <laughs> oh, I knew this
2: was gonna happen. Hey, Derek, how you doing? Hello, guys. Hi, Very good Derek. to see you.
0: I'm gonna go crash it.
2: So happy. Nice. We're talking about the new Try record. It. I want to hear i want to hear what the, what's going on with yeah. the material. Tell
1: them, tell them what you think about the new songs. New material?
0: Yeah, I'll okay. You know, yeah, I mean, it's authentic, it's real. It's, it's, it's definitely suffocation. You know, it's not like we're gonna to just add uh, you know, classical guitars or violins or stupid shit. You know that we're not famous for, or you know, in, influenced by. You know, we're always going to stick to our guns. But uh it's brutal. It's technical. It's fast. It's got real slow, heavy beat down stuff that you know we've been kind of straying away from, just because everybody's going so fucking fast and technical that naturally we, you know, progress with the way the industry's progressing. But. Can't forget that Suffolk has those heavy beatdown parts, you know, so there's a lot of that shit, too. Slams, boys. Slams. Yeah.
1: Bang! Bang! Yo, we just got with Mark. Mark, you guys around, eh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums, even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxenhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxenhops.com slash summer. Do it, people come hang out with me, enjoy life metal and craft beer in your hometown Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I wanted to touch on, I love when people work with Chris Donaldson and you guys just worked with him for the live album that you just released. Talk to me about working with Donaldson. Why did you get him to mix some stuff? Um, I'm stoked you guys did because I think he's super underrated. Uh, Talk to me about the decision of working with Donaldson for this remix.
1: Well, I said, no brainer, you know, obviously he's amazing. Yeah.
2: He's killer. He's got all right
1: stuff. He's got the knowledge. He was really interested when we were firing out ideas with other people that were going to do it. And he just was the one that stuck with us because I've worked with him so much. These guys have known him for so long and he really, really wanted to do it passionately.
0: He really wanted to do it. He was one of those guys that was talking more about the product. And, you know, you get a lot of guys that want their sticker on the front of the CD, you know, Hey, you know, uh, I produce this record because they want either the notoriety, which, you know, comes with doing, you know, a record. But also, you know, some people are doing it for certain reasons and some people are doing it because they're passionate about it. You know, and like he said, knowing Chris, as long as we have, he's just a great guy, tons of knowledge, all the right equipment. And uh, he was awesome. You know, he was like, we'll mix this thing to you guys are happy. It oh, wasn't yeah, like oh you get three whacks at this, you know, and uh oh, yeah. three ones of we charm. didn't make
1: it easy for him no, either, like no, no. firing back ideas. Oh, maybe take out this, or, you well,
0: know, or adjust that down here I and there. Mean, <laughs> another crazy aspect of it, you know, normally producers in the past that we work with, you know, they'll give you a test mix and you'll be working on like one of the songs. So we would say something to Donaldson like, Holy shit, man, it'd be sick if, if this was crispier or punchier or whatever. He would run the whole fucking album off. And I'm like, dude, like, you know, you sure you don't want to just show us that adjustment <laughs> on, like, a track? <laughs> so I have that album. I have album, like, many times over. You know, instead of just having test mix one, test mix two on maybe one song, he would just fire off the whole record, you know, every time that we ask for something really small. So, I mean, ton of, ton of work on his end, too. We appreciate it.
2: He's the best. So underrated. And I'm so happy that you guys are happy. Next level of that question is, you guys have been working with Joe forever um eric was mentioning that you might actually just track in hobb's studio where you guys are at right now um what are the potentiality and chris didn't ask me to ask this uh, what are the potentiality of you guys going with chris for the next record for a mix too hey it's not
0: completely out of the books man (laughs) i wouldn't even use the word completely i would say it's not out of the question you know chris was so easy to work with gave us a fantastic product i mean and again we handed in live tracks and he handed us back a record gold yeah you have to think about that you know like if we're in a controlled environment you know obviously x amount of producers or the label or whoever you know wants so and so to take a whack at it so there'll probably be some test mixes out there but chris will definitely get a chance at a test mix you know like we'll probably you know when we first start tracking thing as soon as we have one that we really like the performance of we'll probably start getting it out to engineers producers to see what kind of feedback we're getting and you know doing it on your own we're used to doing it ourselves with without a producer capturing the tracks but as far as you know doing it literally on your own you know we've always been in someone's studio and they were like here's the keys you know knock yourselves out recording the record in our facility now we're like let's take a whack in mm-hmm. our own facility and you we know, have the tools necessary yeah yeah yeah. we got all the right stuff you, you know, know but still no homework.
1: matter what mixing and mastering shit is that's out that's of our <laughs> least. Super
0: hard. i mean even <laughs> when we do a fun little mix that we like on our pre-production it's garbage <laughs> not, it's garbage
1: Oh, no, 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 it's not garbage, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but compared
0: to like a real top-tier yeah. Yeah, engineer, you know, they're gonna we're skipping steps that they would obviously do. We're doing shit that you're not supposed to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know so we're, we're not yeah. producers. For oh, cars. yeah. Hacking. Hacking. Hackin'. Hack
2: <laughs> I love it. I'm excited, and there's no shade I'm, I'm not to Joe or anything. He does great work. I'm just, I'm so close to Donaldson, I had to ask the question.
0: Sure. sure. <laughs> well, he did the last one, so it wouldn't be at all out of the question that he'd be doing some test mixing. You, know.
2: uh, you guys are notorious road dogs. Uh, you have only done four shows, I think Eric mentioned before. Uh, how have you been filling the void of performing live? There's nothing like that feeling.
0: Suicidal thoughts. Suicidal <laughs> thoughts. No, it's crazy because we're so used to doing 150 shows. I'm being sorry, you know, silly. No. But, you know, like we're so used to go, go, go. Like you were just saying that two years off, that's crazy. And I mean, I understand this is the time of our lives. We have the tools and, you know, we should be productive, but it's like stripping something away from you. That's like something yeah. that we do. It's and all of of sudden,
2: like, Yeah.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, I'm super guilty of not utilizing my time properly because I'm like sitting around going, okay, when can we do what we do? Okay. Get down in the studio and do something. Okay. Be productive. And then, Back to bed. Yeah, motivation is <laughs> hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You know, we're so used to doing it. It's not like I want to be slow moving, but the idea, I'm slow moving because, like, I'm so used to run here, get in the airport, you know, get on the bus, play the shows, play da 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 da, da and then- You wh- know, the bus, you know about it, You man. know the drill. You know the drill. And when you're not doing that, you're like, okay, we better crank in the studio. And now it's like one of those things where we're like, oh, we got another fucking- Four months. So oh it's, god, it's stop fucking it. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Four you know. So it's funny. I was like, you gotta dig deep. You know, we are writing, but I wish I personally was producing material at a better rate because I just feel like something's missing. You know, and it's hard. That's all right, dude. Yeah, get. it That's all right. About that, have a white thought.
2: Nah. <laughs> Which is a perfect comment, right? That how do you motivate each other, or do you motivate each other?
0: Hey, you Eric's great. Eric's a machine. He's always ready to grind. He's always ready to do something. Hobbs is a fucking machine as well, man. That guy's, Terrence is, you know, hard on himself because think about, you know, he's carrying X amount of the weight. He doesn't want it to just be, you know, his new album. You know, he's got a lot of new guys, you know, let's say, you know, everybody in the band's like done all record and, you know, he doesn't want to turn around and go, well, I'm going to write the whole thing. Everybody's studio guys. He doesn't want that. He wants everybody to feel part of the thing. So Charlie's writing, I'm writing, Ricky's writing, Eric's writing. Everybody's got a, a hand in it, but, and you know, he's, Terrence is cranking out. I keep going like that. He's literally above. He's cranking out stuff and I'm like, Oh my God, jaws hitting the floor. Like this is sick. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. Ah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. And he's, he, I think,
2: I don't know. What what we what
0: we hear and what he hears might be two different things, or maybe like like he says, you know, he's been doing it, and he's I don't want to say he's tired of his tricks, but he wants the outside look influences.
2: look at these people.
0: Yeah, he wants the outside influences, you know, of, of, of the rest of the guys in the band. Uh,
2: Vox and Hus, I love love, and myself, I love creating collabs. I've done 35 beers in the past year. I've created teas. I, I just love it. If you could create a suffocation beer collab a suffocation white claw a suffocation something what would it be and what would you call it
1: no we all have our own thing like i like white claw charlie likes jack daniels Hobbs likes uh wilford or like james uh, Woodford. Woodford, Woodford is, is, or you like beers I, guess. I, I mean
0: i'll i'll i like shotgunning the white claws with eric that's a new fun thing because normally you know you sit around you drink x amount of whatever and you're like oh it's starting to come on we'll be jamming and he's like it's been 10 minutes. it been be 10 down. minutes, yeah. Bite <laughs> down the hatch. And then the next oh, thing you big know, asshole, right? a, couple, a couple, you know, those have gone by and all of a sudden look whack. You know, a switch just got turned on. <laughs> yeah. Instead of creeping in. So.
1: I'm oh no, I'm a, a clock.
0: <laughs> I'm starting to become a fan of the white claw just because it's, it's easy. They go down. I mean, it, they go down, you know, like whack and it's over. You know? And anything that goes down, we approve of. <laughs> oh
2: my God. <laughs> That's the suffocation. The, the <laughs> Here motto. we are.
0: I mean, for beers, I, I've always been an IPA guy. Mm, I always okay. love IPAs, they're, they're a good time, you know.
2: Fantastic. Uh, One last question before I throw you over to the Thirsty Thursday gang. Uh, Classic Fox and Hops wrap-up question. Uh, Very important uh, considering the intense level that you guys party at. Uh, What are your hangover cures?
1: (laughs) Weed. Keep drinking. Smoke weed. Just wake up. (laughs) If you're hungover, if you smoke a joint, that is 100% going to get rid of your nausea. And And then me, I'll do a joint and like ice water and I'll sip it with air like and then smoke my joint and then eventually I'm like oh my god I'm starving and then I just mock like a bunch of olives and pickles <laughs> <laughs> it's cuz you
0: know it just it you know I it. think time is really the only cure for a serious hangover <laughs> sleep like, I'm vomiting down for a while yeah no, but I think getting moving, if you're not going to be completely catatonic after one, you know, just getting moving, I think the sooner you're doing it, you know, it out, yeah. the joke is uh, you feel bad for non-drunks because <laughs> when they wake up in the morning, that's the best they're going to feel all day.
2: It's <laughs> <That's> horrible. <laughs> Eric, Derek, thank you so, so much. This so much fun. I am going to throw you over to the Thirsty Thursday gang. Uh, thirsty Thursday gang you know the drill you can raise your digital hand to ask a question and uh pitch it uh to uh the suffocation boys of course as always number one derby philip Brusso from the whispers from the void podcast go for it bud
1: all right how are you guys awesome awesome
2: <laughs> uh my question like i had a lot of questions but like the question that i got the most is what is your favorite tour like from all your past bands or from suffocation, what is uh, like your best show or your best tour that you had ever?
0: We've done so many good ones. We've even not thought about the amazing ones in a while. We're very fortunate. But, I mean, shit, anything that we're out with our voice. You know, like you go out on yeah. tour, you don't know anybody. By the end of the tour, you know everybody. You know, it's so <laughs> fun that, uh, I mean, I hate to say all of them, you know, it hasn't been a bad tour in the history of, of me doing this. You know, it's like always like everybody becomes family. People are helping each other. You know, we're getting wrecked right together, ripping up shows together, hanging with the people. So in my opinion, I can't narrow that down to one. Every tour is fucking awesome. Nice.
2: That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. We got West Coast Jerry. Go for it.
1: Yeah. What's up guys. Huge Suffolk fan. Uh, you guys are actually the last show I went to before COVID hit at brick by brick in San
0: Diego. No doubt. Um, yeah that's, yeah, that's my hometown. Hell yeah. So I'll be seeing you guys again in June. Um, the question is, and, and Matt, I'm sure you've already touched on
1: this before, but for all, all you guys, um, what's it like stepping into an established band that's known for, you know, certain musicians, um, and then taking on that role and maybe hearing some criticisms from fans
0: or you know,
1: yeah. Well, I can say for me personally, it was interesting because I didn't really know Suffocation when I joined. That was awesome. I didn't. Derek called me and he's like, "Hey, I got your number from Alex Aaron from Despise Icon. Do you want to play drums for us?" And I was like, "Who's
0: Suffocation?" It was. I was <laughs> like, I was like, I, I was and like, he's I've so, seen so good at drums, and you know, a lot of the guys that if they knew there was a position, they'd be beating your door down. For a fan status and it was so refreshing that this guy riffed on the drums, he was made for it, conditioned and yeah, it was no it, hang
1: ups. It's weird though, because I didn't know what, what sort of entity I joined until a couple like a year or two in. And then I started realizing, you know, my mom would be on vacation in Costa Rica taking pictures of metalheads at a beach. And they're like, oh, they know your van, like uh, <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, it's it's dawned on me now that it's pretty awesome. <laughs> holy yeah, shit yeah, yeah that was so great. it was and then after a while you know you hear the people oh you're not mike smith or you're oh, not frank or
0: you know that, that. that part's going to be hard you know because if, if you grow up with a band and they swap somebody out that was one of maybe your favorite musicians whether you knew the guy or not it's it's hard even when someone comes in and does an equally good job you still miss the guy that you grew up listening to and uh for us you know eric stepping in knocking it out of the park you know for me I didn't pay attention to any criticism. You know, when I jumped in this 20 years ago, you know, Richard, 44. Richard, 44 years ago. No, um, you know, Richard was an amazing player, but I didn't, I didn't subject myself to any of that noise. I just went, I'm going to do as good as I can. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to do, you know, this as long as. Yeah. I mean, Matt, you know all about it. Oh, Come same on, yeah, like, same Think about it. Like, yeah. It it's, it's, yeah. it's
1: comes down to, we got better shit to focus on. than than oh, yeah. Yeah, then the five negative "That's not Lord Worm" comments on YouTube. You get look at them all. Like, can you believe that guy's a kindergarten teacher? <laughs> 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 like, you know, dude,
2: you're, you're killing it.
1: You, you think, and your band loves your performance, and they trust you and you're in it. And and the majority, everyone loves you for it. So you don't think about the five idiots that are stuck up on jerking off on Lord Worm photos. No, no. You no. Know?
0: And again, you would <laughs> you wouldn't think that you know any legit band cryptopsy suffocation would hire somebody that couldn't fill the shoes don't get me wrong if you love this guy you're gonna love this guy forever but we wouldn't get a guy that couldn't play that guy's stuff and again they're gonna play it different but they're gonna play it well you know in the same and thing it's, it's
1: all respect in the end 100%. because even us i'm paying homage to doug bones dave cole ross by Mike Smith, just colors. by playing them live yep you know and continuing the saga that they've created in a sense. No doubt. It's a legendary thing that they spawned breeders, and now you're carried the spawn. And yeah,
0: now, yeah, and then
1: now we're
2: so it's it. It. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. And you're 100% correct, uh, but we only ever remember those five negative comments for some reason. Yeah, you can't you take can't, you <laughs> it yeah, Not worth it. Much more going on. Colby, How's it going, guys? I,
1: I don't know if this question was asked already since I was late. My apologies about that, but how did you get into suffocation in the first place? Which one? Who? Like uh, you, Eric, sorry. Oh, me? Derek, actually. Yeah. Derek called okay. me because he was looking for a drummer for Summer Slaughter. They need Kevin Talley couldn't do it, so they needed a fill in drummer. And he got my contact through despised icon singer Alex Arian.
0: We were looking to just
1: borrow. Wait, I got to take a piss. So he's yeah. gotta, he knows
0: more about it. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah>. It's <laughs> actually perfect. We were. At the time, at the time, there was, uh, you know, Kevin was playing drums for us. And Of The Dark Light was almost completely written. And uh, it was one of those scenarios where Kevin goes, hey, I can't do this. And we go, you know, Kevin, this is an awkward time for you to step out. Obviously, your personal life is, is yours. We're not like, oh, you back out of this, you're fucked. You know, it wasn't anything like that. It just, he goes, hey, I can't do this. And so in my mind, you know, he already learned so much about The Dark Light, the most recent record and uh, the one that Eric played on, Eric's debut. And when Kevin was stepping out, or, you know, temporarily, I was just looking to borrow somebody. So I had made a list of all these bands that we're friends with, and we started just picking up the phone going, hey, can we borrow your drummer for a month? Not trying to, <laughs> steal, not trying to steal a guy. And uh, Despised Icon, were, we're dear friends with those guys. And Alex Grind was one of our guys. We knew he was a fan of the music and we toured with him a bunch, we knew he was a good guy. And we thought... Sick drummer, too. Fantastic oh, yeah, fantastic drummer. Yeah. You know, so you know, we had these stellar names on this list that we just needed to borrow. And the next thing you know, uh, when I'm talking to the singer by Icon, he goes, hey, no, not a territorial thing. And by all means, I'll give you Brian's number. But the reason why we don't tour extensively is because he has daughters and a job and everything. And so don't take it the wrong way. I don't think he's going to do it. And nothing personal, but he's got a very busy lifestyle. And and Alex, uh, I'll never forget it. I quote him all the time, Alex Aaron. Uh, said, I don't want to say I have your guy, but I think I got your guy. And uh, right then and there, you know, he sent me he sent me, he texted me a few links of Eric playing drums on YouTube and uh, and sent me his phone. Number. And uh, at that time,
1: I was th- I was um asked to play for Black Dahlia, so and I was
0: also asked to play for uh, White Chapel. Holy, both shit. at the same time, I'll probably watching auditions of White Chapel and auditions of Black Dahlia. And not really knowing those songs, just seeing a drummer rip the fuck out of the drum set. So I immediately hit up Eric and it was great. I go, this is Derek from Suffocation. He's like, Subahoo. I was like, Subahoo. <laughs> it <was really laughs> it was You know, because like I said,
1: anyone else I was, had I knew the name, I've seen it on flyers, but I just couldn't I never heard I mean I probably have heard it, but I couldn't put a song on the in idea he,
0: he was able to pick up the material so fucking fast. And like, remember
1: you sent me and I was like, This sounds old. It was <laughs> great.
0: It was so great. But I hit the- this shit like got
1: really like
0: that old school feel. on am like, no, oh, no, fucking old? He said he learned you
1: know, songs, and they like, they recorded like you know, old. I was like, whoa. Yeah, on tape. You know, like, I'm trying to learn it, and I can't hear what he's hitting. I can
0: just hear he simple. Just <laughs> hear and
1: you know, yeah.
0: But he learned the one of the hardest songs from the most recent record at yeah, uh, that point. He learned "Cycles of Suffering" and sent me a video like within a day or something. So I was like, wow, he can retain it. He can perform it. He seems like a cool guy. He was referred by someone that spoke highly of him. And so I was like, get your ass down here. And he played so fast. I'll never forget that. too. Like, we <laughs> yeah. thought we could slow him down with some beers and some barbecue. Like, no, he just played <laughs> faster. <laughs> it was bizarre. We're like, let's slow this down a little bit. Let's stuff him. Stuff him with food and beers. And it didn't work. It didn't work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, what a crazy time in your life, though, Eric, to, to be playing for Kalitoris at the time and then both, you know, Whitechapel, Black Dahlia, and then Suffo all hitting you up at the same time. You must have been super hungry, though, despite not knowing the material or of the legacy of the band, as you mentioned before. You still got the song together in one day. That that says that you were hungry as hell.
0: The
1: one thing that made me really focused was I was talking with Phil, the singer of Whitechapel, back and forth every day, and when I told him that I was got a call from Suffol, he's the one that told me. He was like, oh, you got to go join stuff. Yeah, yeah. He was dude. like, oh my, he's like, I'm not he even going to, he it. was like, I'm not even going to let you join this band basically because that's my idol. You're joining Suffocation. That's
2: awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was yeah. like, you're joining that band. Like, Hell yeah. And I was like, okay. Hell yeah. Let's do it.
2: There we go. So we got Emily and Dave. We have real dumb questions. Oh yeah, I got, <laughs> <dumb questions. laughs>
1: I got one for Eric. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit nosy, but I'm also a little bit lazy. So I was, you know, before... Attending tonight. So I'll check this guy out on Metal Archives. And I see your brother's also a drummer. Is that right? Yeah. So did you two have to fight for airtime growing up? Or are you too close in age? Or how does that work with two drummers in the household?
0: <laughs> One and two boys, like, <laughs>
1: we kind of touched on this before, but we never fought or disagreed in anything. And we both loved... Um, smoking weed, skateboarding, hockey, and video games and drumming. So we, like we cycled buddies, yes. and dirt bikes and shit. So we cycled through all these activities. Like, for example, you think we fought over the drums. You should have seen back when we were kids that we had the little RM85 two stroke dirt bike. I'm, I'm riding sorry. that shit. I'm <laughs> riding it right off school. <laughs> like, we were fighting over that shit. The drums were just, oh, I'm going to go play drums because he's on the bike. <laughs> You know, <laughs> but no, we never fought over it. And there's always time for, you know, I drum for like an hour when I was a kid and sweat, and then be like, I'm hungry, I want Cheerios, and I want to play James Bond. <laughs> 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 so he would just jump on the drums, and I was playing my James Bond. That's amazing. And that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, you guys, I have to fly to Germany tomorrow.
2: So
0: unless anyone has anything for me, I just wanted to crash this thing. I didn't mean to take it or anything like that. But if if anybody has anything for me, I'm gonna get upstairs and start getting my shit together.
1: Oh yeah, bro!
2: Awesome, you guys! Massive cheers to you, Derek. Super happy to see you. Thank you for coming.
0: Always good to see you, brother. You're welcome.
2: See you. you, Awesome! I love. that. I was expecting someone to crash it because I knew you guys all live together. I love it. I
1: mean, yeah, Derek wasn't home. He must have just got home. Boom, there he is. I was like,
2: hell yeah. Uh, Eric, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. Super stoked that Derek took the time to come and crash the party. Uh, Thirsty Thursday, gang. Make some noise. Uh, Let's uh, let Eric know how much we appreciated him being with us tonight. Unmute yourselves. Make some noise. Thank you so much. Cheers. Yeah! so so much for listening right to the end you know that i love and appreciate that man was this ever a super fun thirsty thursday virtual hang i was so stoked when derek showed up halfway through the interview and then he stayed to the end so exciting i am just so happy for my friend eric Um, i've known him for a long time and to see him succeed and be so successful in such a huge band which he is absolutely perfect for Makes me beyond happy. Huge cheers to Eric. Thank you so, so much for coming and hanging out with me and the Thirsty Thursday gang. We had so much fun, and everybody told me afterwards how much of an amazing guest you were. Massive, massive cheers to you. Can't wait to hear this brand new Suffocation album that's coming up in the next year, I hope. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can go on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast, including all the details for any episode which I dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, which is curated by Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself, and is packed with all of the best new music. If you are ever looking for new music, you have to check out the Brutal Awakenings playlist because Jerry knows what's up, and each week he puts brand new albums into the Brutal Awakenings playlist. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify, and you should most definitely check it out. You will also get to see all of the reviews which the Vox & Hops album review crew have dropped throughout that past week, and you'll get the brand new link for the next Vox & Hops Thirsty Thursday Virtual Hang live interview. Now, there's just so much going on in the world of the Vox & Hops metal podcast, I would hate for you to miss a single thing, so please sign up to the mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I have one more episode coming up on Friday, the final episode of Vox and Hops Sober February 2022, which is presented by Pitch Black North, the Satanic Tea Company. But until then, I hope you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads.